The reading this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, which is on page 1014 of both the small and large print Bibles. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brilliant. Thanks, Edward, very much indeed for, for reading. Do keep your Bibles open. We're not going to be focusing on that passage the whole time, but we are because we're in a, in, a, in a new series at the start of this new year um, in which we're going to be uh, doing a, a series on our five values as uh, a church, five values that the PCC have, have identified as those things that we hope will permeate the life of the church here at Christ Church. Not so much what we do, but, but how we do everything. The things that, that should shape and should identif- be identified. If, you know, if someone was to come and, and visit the church, if someone was to come and hang around a bit, uh, come to Sundays, come to maybe perhaps in a small group, just discover something about the informal life of the church, we hope that they would notice these things. And there are five of them. Uh, they are uh, on the screen, if it's working, uh, gracious welcome, uh, humble compassion, courageous commitment, extravagant generosity, and joyful celebration. Those are the five things. Um, Steve and I were, were chatting about them. We, we came up with some actions. We'll do them with the kids next week. But uh, just to help us remember, they're, they're the wide open arms of welcome. You don't have to do it now. But next week, you'll be able the hands on the heart of humble compassion, the open hands of extravagant generosity, the strong arms of courageous commitment, and the joyful waving hands of, of joyful celebration. Okay, I'll be, I'll be testing the PCC tomorrow evening. Just so, just so, uh, but of course, that, of course, what really matters is not remembering them, but living them out allowing them to shape our lives as individuals. I mean, these would be great for you to have them as your own personal values of, of life. I'm sure you'll have some others too. Uh, but as a church, these are the things we want to see. And these will be the natural marks if we are living and sharing the good news of Jesus, which is what our uh, desire is to be as a church. Today, we're going to start with our value of gracious welcome. Let's just pause. Let's pray. Uh, let's ask that God would speak into our lives this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the joy of being here, for the chance to sing your praises, the chance to pray, the chance to hear your word, the moment to gather around the table of communion too. Lord, you're such a gracious God. And we pray, Lord, that as you have welcomed us into your presence this morning, we ask that that would shape our lives, that we would be people of grace-filled welcome towards others. And we pray now, Lord, that your spirit would help us uh, open our hearts, keep us alert and attentive to your word, to what you want for us uh, as individuals, as a church. Uh, speak, Lord, and help us to listen, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are starting uh, with this subject of gracious welcome. As those who have experienced God's grace 
so we will extend that grace to everyone we meet. That's our desire that this would be a church. We would experience his grace and extend that to others. So all of our values, they're, they're rooted in, in God, in his character, and in our experience of him. Uh, if we've not experienced God's grace, if we've not experienced his welcome of us, then we won't be able to extend that grace-filled welcome to others. But you know, when we know God's grace at work in our lives, when we have received his welcome and been received by him, then it should overflow to others. It should overflow out of us as individuals, as a church. Uh, It should overflow here in church with one another. It should overflow beyond with every person we meet. As we get on the bus, as we stand at the till uh, to get our shopping, as we get to work on a Monday morning, uh, grace overflowing out of us towards others as we seek to welcome them uh, into our lives. Because we know we're recipients of grace. Uh, Paul writes this, it's a familiar verse, isn't it? Ephesians 2 verse 4, because of his, God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. Undeserved, unmerited, unearned, welcoming love from God. It starts with that. And unless we've received that, we'll never be able to give grace to to others. We've sung this morning, we welcome you in this place. We stand by welcoming God, but we can only sing that because he has first welcomed us by his grace, extended that welcome to us. With those as Christians who have heard and responded to that wonderful, wonderful invitation of Jesus, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those are the words we need to hear, that invitation we need to receive for ourselves. That's why we had this um, little reading from Mark 10. Wonderful account, isn't it? Familiar reading. Jesus welcomes the little children with open arms, and he blesses them. And it's an expression of his heart of grace and mercy and love. The disciples, remember, in that little account, seek to turn the children away. They, they see, I think, in first century culture, children were, were kind of uh, seen and not heard. They were not valued. I mean, like we, we sort of tend to idolize our children, which is wonderful. We want to value them hugely. But, but, but children in those days, were, were, until they were of economic value, were, were kind of sidelined and marginalized. And so these people bringing children to Jesus, uh, you know, the disciples think, no, Jesus is far too busy for, 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 for them. You know, he mixes with the religious elite. He mixes with the, the movers and shakers. He's far too important for these children. And, and when Jesus sees the disciples uh, hindering them, stopping the children, he, he rebukes them. He's angry. He rebukes them. He says, no, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And then we read he takes them in his arms and he, he blesses them. I don't, I don't know how he did that. I mean, he probably whirled them around like a windmill, you know, with, the, with some of the younger, the toddlers. And, 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 and he held the babies in his arms. He, he took them in his arms. He blessed them because his welcome is full of grace and mercy. Not to those who can do stuff for him or, or accomplish stuff on his behalf, but simply because he's full of grace. He welcomed the children. It's just a great picture, isn't it? It's a great picture of the heart of Jesus. And it's the example of Jesus throughout the Gospels. Read the the Gospels through. He he welcomes everyone who comes to him knowing their need. The grieving widow, 
the outcast leper, the blind beggar, uh, the repentant tax collector. Uh, he would stop. He, he would listen. Uh, he would welcome them full of grace and truth. He'd bring comfort, he'd bring healing, he'd bring transformation to all who came knowing their need. It's a wonderful picture. Re reread the Gospels. Make that your uh, uh, aim for, for, for at least for January. Reread the Gospels. Make your aim for the whole year to read the whole Bible. But, but, but uh, read the Gospels. Look at the, 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 the incredible love and compassion of Jesus. F the welcome for those who came knowing their need. Of course, if you read those Gospels, you'll see that when people came to him with, with pride or self-sufficiency, then there was always gracious challenge. Like the rich young man, we didn't have it read, but it's the passage that comes straight after the, the, the little children in Mark, which I think he put there deliberately as a kind of contrast, because here's a good man. Uh, lots of ways he's good, he's upright, he's respectable. We see that Jesus loved him. Listened to him, but he knew that there was one thing that was preventing him from receiving the welcome that Jesus had for him. And for this man, it was his wealth. It was what he lived for. It was the thing he'd set his heart on. And he couldn't bring himself to let go and receive the welcome that Jesus wanted for him. And we read that he went away sad. Oh, Jesus was full of gracious welcome uh, for those who, who come to him knowing their need, who, who, who can see that they are in need. But he was ready to challenge, even uh, to rebuke those who came with pride, to test him, who should have known better. Those strong words in Matthew 23, seven times he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Well, Jesus' heart is full of grace and welcome to all who come to him to receive his invitation. But hardened hearts will meet his challenge or even his rebuke. Jesus is full of grace-filled welcome to those who come like children knowing their need. But he's, he's not a soft touch. We think it's, he's, he's not someone who won't challenge or who won't uh, rebuke when he sees a person's heart. And, and you know, while Jesus welcomed people, uh, coming to them just as they were, he, he would never love them enough to just leave them where they were. We think of that woman caught in adultery in John uh, chapter 8, humiliated this woman by a, a group of self-righteous men uh, trying to trap Jesus, trying to humiliate this woman who they drag before Jesus. And in his amazing compassion, first he, he kneels down and he writes in the ground. I think what he's doing is just averting their gaze from this half-naked woman. He's, he's moving them away from, from, from her and, and, and that. Uh, and then he confounds them by, by telling them that the one who sh hasn't sinned should cast that first stone. And they all leave one by one. John says the oldest first. They, they know they're sinners. And then Jesus turns to the woman, full of, of incredible love for her. Uh, with gracious welcome, he's received her. And, and he asks, does anyone condemn you? No, no one, sir. And, and Jesus says, 
Well, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Gracious welcome. And then he, but that's not all. He says, neither do I condemn you, but, but go and sin no more. Jesus doesn't love her enough to, to, to just welcome her, uh, but he does just as she is. But, but he wants to challenge her, go and sin no more. That gracious welcome is, is wonderful. But it doesn't affirm her, her actions. But as she experienced that amazing grace and welcome, uh, I believe her life would never have been the same again. So we want our values to be, as a church, to reflect those of Jesus. To be shaped by his word, the, the, the Bible. To be a people, a church that offers gracious welcome to all. Before we think about what that might look for us, uh, of course, we've got to be recipients of this grace. It's so important. Before we ever think about how we welcome, we've got to be aware of our need to be humble, open-armed recipients of the grace of Jesus. Uh, and, and that's the question, I, I suppose, um, for, for you, for me, uh, of the next screen, unless it's frozen, uh, is, is have you done that? Have you received the grace of God in your life? Uh, have you come to Jesus in repentance and faith? You know, maybe you've been around the church for a while. You've maybe been around lots of churches for lots of whiles. Uh, you thought about it was about being good. You thought about what you could do for Jesus, uh, what you could do for him, but you've never actually received his grace, received that welcome. Can I say you could do that at the beginning of this year. It would be the best way to start your year, and it would be the best way to have the best 2023 ever. You mark that new life even with, with baptism at the, here on the 29th. Uh, on the Sunday the 10th, 29th, we're going to have baptism here. It's very exciting. Uh, uh, so if you're not yet a Christian and you, are, uh, you want to become one, you want to receive Jesus and that grace into your life, well, you can do that any time. You can do that this morning during communion. Uh, if you're not quite sure how, come and talk to me. It would be my favorite ever conversation. Uh, if you want to come and receive Jesus and receives that, his welcome for you. Uh, if, if you're not yet a Christian, come and, come and talk. And if you are a Christian, but you haven't marked it in baptism, well, that would be my second favorite conversation. So uh, come and talk to me about that. Of course, receiving God's grace is, is not just a one-off thing. Oh yes, it's, we have to repent and believe and trust in Jesus and, and, and be welcomed into his kingdom, welcomed into the family and will never be turned away. But of course, receiving his grace is a daily thing. Humble, open hands of, 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 of receiving like little children. Every morning we wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, I need your grace today. More than anything else, before I ever do anything for you, I need to receive from you. And uh, that's why it's good why we're celebrating communion today. It takes us back to the cross. It reminds us of our need of Jesus. It reminds us we come empty-handed to receive from him, trusting not in our own uh, righteousness, but in his manifold uh, mercies. So um, we've got we've to be recipients of grace, the God who is full of grace, Jesus who invites us to come to him. And then we allow it to shape us. And what will that look like? Well, uh, let's talk about firstly gracious welcome into our church. Okay, how, how good are we at Christchurch's welcoming people? I mean, we have got a fantastic welcome team. There's a team that has set aside, they've got badges, lanyards, and their job is to, to welcome. That's why they're called the welcome team. 
and they are brilliant, and they could always do with some more. Uh, to join the team, to wear the lanyard, to stand at the door. If you can smile, that's kind of all you need to do, really. I mean, you can learn to do other things as well. But, but if you're uh, 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 someone who wants to join that team and volunteer, then see Linda, who's one of our singers today, and she would love to, to, to um, tell you how to, do, to join the team. But here's the truth, okay? If you haven't got a lanyard, if you haven't got a badge, if you're not officially on the welcoming team, you are part of the welcome team. Okay, no lanyard, you don't need a badge, but every member of Christchurch is part of the welcome of this church. All of us are called to extend gracious welcome to others. That's why Paul writes uh, to the church in Rome. He says, accept, or in the 1984 translation, it was welcome, uh, one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. When we do it, it brings praise to God when we welcome one another. And Paul is not just talking about the, 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 the welcoming of visitors, although we love to welcome visitors into our church, and welcome if you're a visitor today. Um, but he was welcome, talking about welcoming one another. Uh, that's our calling, to welcome others uh, without prejudice, without barriers that stop us from accepting others. In Rome, where he wrote this, that there was a problem. There were some Jews and there were Gentiles, Christians, and they kind of didn't always get on. And there were some who had a strong conscience about doing things and others who, who were weaker and they did things that they didn't really have to do. Even if, and, and they used to look down on each other. And Paul says, no, 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 you accept one another, you welcome one another. As Christ welcomed you. Uh, it doesn't matter what secondary issues, you, you, uh, opinions you have. Uh, welcome one another. And I think we need to hear this because we have a tendency, I think, to, to welcome those who are like us, to welcome those uh, who look like us. That's our tendency. It's easy in a lot of ways, isn't it? When you come to church, I talk to my friends. You know, I, I talk to the people who, I, who I, I know. I talk to the people who I know think like I do and, and, and uh, you might have common interests. It's, it's much easier that way. Of course it is. But it's not our calling to just talk to friends. You're allowed to have friends, by the way. But uh, our calling is to accept one another, to welcome one another. You know, our welcome is... It doesn't mean, and this is, can be a, a gracious welcome, and I, I just say this briefly, doesn't mean that we have to affirm everything about somebody else. Gracious welcome doesn't mean we affirm unbiblical choices or, or lifestyles. It doesn't mean always agreeing or affirming. We've got to be like Jesus. We love and we welcome People just as they are, but we love them enough to want to see them grow and flourish uh, under God's word. And that is a fundamental thing in, 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 uh, in our discussions in the church at the moment around issues of, uh, of, of human sexuality. What is welcome? What is uh, to be inclusive? There's complexity in, in, in so many ways in, around, around that. Uh, and in all sorts of other ways too. Our calling is to be a church of gracious welcome to all. Uh, rooted in Christ's gracious welcome of us. And as a church, we want to uh, reflect that. 
And this theme of welcome runs right back into the Old Testament. Of course it does. Uh, in Leviticus uh, 19, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself. For you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Gracious welcome extol. What a, what a privilege it is to be in London. Love being in London. When we were in Chesham, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. It was, it was quite mixed. But coming to London, it's really mixed. Isn't it ethnically, in, in all sorts of, all sorts, sorts of ways? You know, London welcomes people from all over the world, uh, Hong Kong and, and Ukraine and, and so many other nations who come to London to find safety. And it's a joy to have in our congregation people from different parts of the world, including uh, Ukraine and, and, and Hong Kong. And the question is, how can we continue to extend this gracious welcome to all as a church? Let's be, be praying uh, that God would show us how we can do this well uh, in the year ahead. Um, such a big subject uh, there. So, so, so let's be praying about it and praying how we can be a gracious, uh, welcoming place. Um, Secondly, I, I just want to talk briefly about it, is a gracious welcome into our homes. Uh, you know, the practice, practice of, of hospitality is a big theme in the Bible. Uh, Romans 12, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Of course, it, in many parts of the world, this is a very important part of life. I, I remember um, a visit to, to Pakistan with a, a friend, a Pakistani friend, who we were at theological college together. It was back in the late 90s before 9-11. He can't go back home to his own village now. Um, but uh, we went, I went with him. He'd not been back for a couple of years. And... Um, and it was amazing. You know, doors were thrown every, home everywhere. There was a returning son and then his, his guest who came with him. And, and, and uh, everywhere we went, you know, twice a day for about 10 days, the meals, you know, we'd get to this house, there'd be a goat tethered up outside the house. It was what we were eating for dinner in three or four hours' time. Um, it, it was, I mean, I've been there about a week and my teeth and my gums were so swollen from all this meat and all this thing. And, and I remember one of his, his friends said, oh, what, what does John want for, 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 for a meal? And, and I sort of said to him, can we have anything but goat? And, uh, and, and maybe chicken or something, thinking chicken might be tender. It wasn't. Um, but, uh, and you, but you could see the guy's face fall because he wanted to present the best because he was, uh, it's kind of hospitality, his openness, this opening their homes. It, it was just sort of second nature. It's part of culture. And, and I think... Maybe in our privatised, individualistic Western culture, we've, we've lost some of that natural desire to be opening our homes and our hearts to others. You know, that phrase, an Englishman's home is his castle. I mean, how awful is that phrase? I mean, it, a castle is something that is to protect you, to hold you in, to have fortresses to say, you're not welcome here because this is my space. And that is not biblical. Because the Bible teaches us to practice hospitality. Oh yeah, we need, a, we need a place where we can rest and have refuge. And of course, homes are, are great places for that too. Um, but the, the heart of the scriptures is saying, you know, we open our hearts and we open our homes, we open our church, we open our lives to others. I love the accounts of the founding of the church in Philippi. Do you remember Acts 16? Lydia, uh, the, the, the wealthy businesswoman meeting in the, the river with some other um, uh, Jewish believers and Paul arrives and Paul uh, preaches the gospel and we see that the Lord opens her heart and she responds to Jesus, responds to his welcome, she receives grace 
And the first thing she does is say, oh, look, you must come back to my house. Come and stay at my house. And then the church starts meeting at her house because she's opened her heart and she's opened her home to Jesus and to his people. And uh, it becomes um, uh, the place of the church. Clearly, she had a big house. So she could invite loads of people. Uh, but you don't need any, a big house to invite you know, one or two others in for a coffee or for a, for a sandwich. Uh, you know, hospitality doesn't mean having to have a fancy dinner party. You know, the food is secondary to the welcome. It's secondary to, to, to the concern, the love, the listening, uh, the embracing of others. You may not even have to have food. You can have drinks or you can have a games evening or a movie night. Or, 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 uh, it's about the welcome. It's about the invitation. Looking out. Saying, who can come? Who can I welcome? Who's invited? Well, we, we haven't got time to look at that amazing passage uh, and that challenging teaching of Jesus in, in the Gospel of Luke. If you're in a small group, by the way, you'll, you have a chance to look at that passage uh, as well. And if you're not in a small group, I'd really encourage you to do that because it's a great way of, of being welcomed and welcoming and sharing life with others. But in that passage, Jesus says, look, don't just invite those who, who will invite you back. Invite those who, who probably won't invite you back, who, who won't be able to invite you back, not just your family and your friends. And then the writer to the Hebrews, you, you'll remember this familiar phrase, some of you perhaps, it says, where he says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Imagine that. Imagine who you could have round your table. You might have an angel. And if you haven't got a dining room table, just imagine you, are, you might have on your settees when you're having a, a coffee. Oh, uh, we've, got, we've got friends, um, Graham and Julie, and um, Graham's a, a vicar now, but, but when we went to our, our previous church, they were, they were uh, church members, and, and they were wonderful in lots of ways. They kind of lived out their faith in, in such a, a complete way in every aspect of their life. One of the things that impressed me most uh, was their hospitality. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't have a posh house. Uh, the food wasn't flashy. It was you know, very edible. Um, uh, but it was their warmth and their welcome and their amazing commitment to invite those they didn't know. So basically, they had a list of the congregation, A to Z, and they worked through it every week. Another four or five would join them around their table with them and their, their three kids. It was, it was planned. It was almost sort of military uh, kind of logistical operation. It was a very practical outworking of the value of gracious welcome. They just wanted people coming into their home, get to know people, then get to know them, to listen, to love. Now, I know most of us won't have the, the means or the ability or the, to, to, to do what Graham and Julie does, that, that's, that's them. But hey, let's be thinking, let's be praying how we can practice hospitality, how we can offer gracious welcome to others. And that takes us to our very last point, very briefly, uh, this gracious welcome into our lives. Because if we're going to graciously welcome as a church, if we're going to graciously welcome into our homes, it begins with our hearts being transformed by Jesus. The question is, are we people who look out or look in? Now, I realize people are wired differently. Some are extroverts, some are introverts, most are somewhere, you know, a bit of both. Some people were bound up to others, you know, and, and including strangers, engaging conversation, and, 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 you know, that's others. For others, there's a natural shyness that needs to be 
overcome. We're all different. But we are all designed by God for relationships, for one another. And so we do need to lift our eyes to look at others that God brings into our orbit and to be ready to graciously welcome them into our lives, to, to accept and love others. To perhaps make ourselves vulnerable, to, to share something of our lives. Are we willing to do that? Are we those whose hearts are open to God and to others? It is costly, so let's not forget that. To welcome people into our lives requires sacrifice. It's sacrifice of our time, of our autonomy and independence, of our privacy, of our emotional energy. We'll only ever be able to do it when we've experienced the grace of God in our lives. When we know his Holy Spirit filling us, shaping us to be like Jesus. So we're coming to communion now. Brian's going to come up and the, the, the musicians are going to sing before we come to communion. And there we're reminded of the cost that Jesus paid. He held out his arms, nailed to a cross, but they were arms held out of gracious welcome. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And as we come, he fills us with his spirit so that we can be those who extend that welcome to others.